0: Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church podcast.
1: This episode is taken from our series exploring the book of Jonah, as we discover together a story that is all about the goodness of God, a story that leads us to Jesus, and a story that invites us to be transformed by the wonder of who he is. Thanks for joining us.
2: If you don't know me, my name is Adrian, and it is good to be with you, whether you're here in the room or you are there online. And a particular welcome if you're new around us, uh, we do hope that you'll feel welcome here. And hopefully, uh, we'll get to know you if we've not already done so by the end of our gathering today. Uh, Just to say, if you're online, it is so good to have you with us. I know there's already like a load of things going on in the chat. Uh, If you see me sometimes on my phone, it isn't that I'm bored, is it that I'm connecting with everyone who's still with us but not not in the room Uh, and just I know there's a number who are unwell at the moment and so we just say we're praying for you and praying for swift recovery Uh, but also it's just great to have people whether you are visible or you're just looking in I think online allows us that moment of saying actually I don't feel quite brave enough to go yet into the room but I'd love to see what goes on there and so if you're one of those you're so welcome and we hope that we get to show something about the wonder of who Jesus is and what it means to be a bunch of people who are seeking to follow him. Um, as has already been said, we're going to start this series looking at the book, The Story of Jonah. But before we get there, I just want to take a moment to encourage us in respect to how we're living. As I want to encourage us in terms of living centered. You see, every single one of us will live centered on something or someone that kind of seeks to govern everything about who we are and then how we live. Um, And this isn't one way you say, well, I wouldn't say I'm a follower of Jesus, therefore I'm not really living centred. Well, I'd say that like any one of us, it's not about being a Christian, a follower of Jesus, actually you'll find that your life is centred on something. It might be a hope or a dream. It might be an achievement. It might be in terms of cultural family background. There'll be something that your life, when you kind of strip it away, is centred on, and that then causes you to live out of who you are and what you seek to be and do. And what we've said as like those who are part of Voices is that we're those that have discovered that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection change everything. And therefore, in it changing everything for us, we want to therefore live lives that say actually the one and only thing we want to base and center our lives on is Jesus. And therefore, we seek to live with practices that enable us to live in the wonder of having life centred on Jesus, that cause us to live daily understanding that actually it's who Jesus says we are that defines who we are. It's then what Jesus says we're about that then defines what we do. But that isn't something we kind of just kind of put our finger to the wind and say, well, what's going to happen today? Rather, as I said, we, we take practices that enable us to kind of live in light of who Jesus defines us to be and what Jesus defines us to do. And we have different practices that enable us to do that. And so you've would already heard one of the words that we talk a lot of as a family, as a church, and that is that we seek to pause, that we encourage one another to pause daily, to pause daily within our lives in order that we centre, centre on the wonder of who Jesus is. In order that in centering on Jesus, it then defines us as we continue in our lives. And so we say we want to practice daily, pause, center, continue. But in that centering, it can sometimes be like, what do we do then to ensure that we stay centred on Jesus? And there's lots of different practices that we seek to do that enable us to do that. And we've got a whole booklet called The Pause Discipleship Guide that enables us to kind of encourage one another in the kind of practices we can do that cause us to stay centred on Jesus. But in this moment, as we're about to take the next six weeks or so to look at the book and story of Jonah, we felt like it'd be a good moment to encourage each of us to examine and to pick up again that practice of reading scripture, of reading the Bible. Because the Bible isn't a chore, but actually is something that is there that is to do you and I good. And it's something that we're invited in to read and to explore and to discover the wonder of what is revealed here. Because what we discover through the Bible is the story of who God is and who we are being caught up in his story. And therefore, it isn't something that, that actually we kind of think, oh man, I better do that. But rather, it's an invitation to daily seek to know the life that God wants to bring you and I and the joy that that then brings but sometimes it can still feel like, well, where do we start then? And so what we thought we'd do is just in this moment, over the next six weeks, is to call all of us to say, actually, within all that we're doing, why don't we just pick up this practice? Because I'm a realist. I recognise all of us will probably say, if we follow Jesus, oh yeah, I can see the Bible's good. But to be honest, sometimes it feels hard to fit in. Now, some of you are like, never. Daily. Always there. there. There's no condemnation. There's encouragement wherever we're at, wherever we're someone who says, Oh, yeah, I can see it's there. And occasionally I pick up, pick it up, or someone who says, No, this is built into my life. I want to cause us and call us over the coming six weeks to encourage one another to be continuing to dive deeper, to explore and to be enriched through the wonder of what God wants to reveal to and through us as we read the Bible. And therefore, what we've done is we've picked up, as we often do, every so often, we haven't done this for a while because we've not been in person, but we kind of put together practices and these will kind of get handed out some magical way. And in this, it's a practice that helps us to understand how then we read our Bible. Because sometimes it can just feel like, where do we start? What do we do? And you can find yourself like flicking through thinking, okay, where's a verse that could make it kind of feel okay today? Was actually what we've done is through this, we've kind of looked at like what we read, when we read, and then how we read. I'm not going to go through this in this moment, but rather like encourage you over the next week, just spend some time looking at this and spend some time then saying, okay, how can I then cause this to define how I then seek to try and build in a daily rhythm of reading the Bible? Not in order that I can tick a box at the end of the week and like high five everyone saying, look at me, I read the Bible this week. No, no, it's because it's going to do us good. It's going to bring us life and it's going to bring us joy. i encourage you, if you're part of a small group, why don't you kind of seek to encourage one another to get doing this? That doesn't mean that like, you're cracking the whip saying, oh no, you've messed up, you didn't do it yesterday. Rather, that it's that moment of saying, no, let's get alongside each other and say, how's it going? Like, Let's give ourselves to it. All right, you missed the last couple of days. Don't worry, today's a new day. Let's get on with this. And maybe a great place to start, as I say, in terms of what we read, is we find ourselves grounded, firstly, I'd say in a book, is maybe we give ourselves over the next six weeks to just exploring this story and book of Jonah. It's like a page and a half of the Bible. And what we'll find is as we explore this, God is going to reveal so much to us. Now, maybe you think, well, I'm not sure if I could hang out there for six weeks. Well, maybe for you, it's like saying, well, take one of the accounts of Jesus' life. Maybe look and base yourself in the book of Psalms. But i say, do something that says, over the coming six weeks, I'm going to build this practice in in a greater measure realistically, uh, within my life over the next six weeks. Why are we doing it over six weeks? Well, because they say generally it takes six weeks to build a practice into our lives. And so I encourage us to do that. So that's what I'm going to say in terms of reading the Bible. Let's then get and switch gear then in terms of the story of Jonah, uh, which we're going to get to look at today. And in a moment, you'd have seen, if you're regular here, that normally we've kind of over the last 18 months had a little jivey video that's played, and then suddenly someone pops on the screen that reads the Bible to us of what we're going to examine today. And you've probably seen already that that hasn't happened. That's because in a few minutes' time, I'm going to invite four friends to read the whole of the story of Jonah to us. And why we're going to do that is because I think before we zoom in into different elements of the story, it's important to zoom out to see the wonder of what this story is all about. And therefore, this morning is going to be more about listening to other people than myself, which is probably good news for many of us. But in it, what I want us to see and hear is what God is going to reveal to us through this story over the coming weeks. See, what we're going to discover is that this story isn't simply a story about Jonah and a big fish. I don't know if you've ever heard of the story of Jonah, and probably if you have, you've heard of it, of Jonah and the big fish. Or maybe you heard Jonah and the whale, which is like a way of people trying to pry and kind of figure out, well, what on earth is that? What we're going to discover over the coming weeks is, actually, this is a story that doesn't have a lot to do with Jonah. It's a story that is way bigger than Jonah. What I want us to see over the coming weeks is, actually, this is a story that is intricately and beautifully written. See, we're used to reading novels, stories, where actually it's just dense in terms of text. So it will use many, many words to describe situations, to try and get us to use our imagination. And so you'll read a novel, and it'll describe an individual, and it'll spend like two pages like describing something about that individual's background, that individual's kind of story, why they've got to this moment. What actually going to find in Jonah, which is the way that you find in the Old Testament, which is the bit of the Bible before Jesus, is that when stories are told, they're told with minimal amounts of information. There isn't the kind of dense text that are there to describe individuals. It's there because actually them giving key parts of information means that it's to kind of cause you to think back on things that you've read around the whole of the Bible. Now, for some of us are thinking, but I haven't read the whole of the Bible. What are we going to do here? Well, that's why we're going to do this together over the coming weeks. We're going to find things out of as we read this, we realize, all oh, right, for the original hearers, are oh, this sort of triggered all of these stories? You also find that as it's minimally written, each bit of description, is there to trigger something, trigger something of other stories, but to trigger something of the bigger story that this story is set within, within the whole of the Bible. And what we can discover is the Bible isn't something, isn't a book like any other. It's a book that is intricately and beautifully written. That the more and more we explore, the more and more we realise, man, I didn't know that. i realise how much I don't know, but how much there is to know And causes us to find that sense of life and joy to be found in reading the Bible. Next, I think that we're going to find that this is a story that challenges us. That's the point. We're going to find at different moments that we find ourselves feeling like we're like different individuals or groups of people in the story. In actual fact, it's going to end in a way which we will find totally unacceptable as Western individuals. Because it's going to end in a way that is not conclusive. Every story that we pay money to read or to watch has to have a conclusion. If it doesn't have a conclusion, we're left thinking, well, what was that all about? You can't leave me thinking, oh, no, what do I do with this? But we're going to find through this story, that's exactly where it leaves us. Thinking, well, what are we going to do with this? Because the point of this story is it's to challenge us whether we're hearing it for the first time or the hundredth time. We're going to find that it's a story that is comic. I think sometimes we can think, oh, no, God's very serious. Yes, God is one who, when he says truth, it is truth, and he doesn't lie. But God is also a God of laughter, a God of joy. And therefore you find within this story that it's a story that is comic, that has satire in it. You know, there's moments that we're going to find out that in chapter 2 where we find that Jonah is in the belly of this big fish, kind of seems to kind of say a load of stuff, and then the response is, and it will be doled down within our translations, is that he's like vomited out. And it's like meant be this moment of like us figuring out, well, who is Jonah and why would he be vomited out? Because it's quite a comedy thing, being vomited out of a big fish. And that's the point, there's going to be moments within it where we're going to think that's deeply ironic. You know, as British individuals, we love irony. We love those facts We think, oh, well, if only they knew that. And we say it with that voice, don't we? I'm going to find that through Jonah there's these moments where we kind of look in and go, "Oh, oh, I get that." And it's going to make you smile. Because what it does, when we find something funny, is it opens up our heart, And just to kind of warn you, when your heart gets open, it's in order that we then feel convicted. <laughs> How quickly you can find yourself laughing at something and suddenly realizing, "Oh no, I'm laughing at myself. This is me." So we're going to find it's a story that is comic. Two more. We're going to find it's a story that is all about God's loving kindness. That's what this story is ultimately about. That we're going to discover along the way that God is more loving than we ever allow him to be. In actual fact, we're going to find sometimes that actually God is more loving that causes us to think that is scandalous and that can't quite be right. And then lastly, I'd say we're going to discover that through this story, where we discover Jesus. Now, at this point, you're thinking, oh, no, 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 this is before Jesus. Like, how can Jesus be in this story? Well, in Luke chapter 24, we haven't got time to read this. It's a story where Jesus is resurrected back to life, and he's died on a cross. His friends, his disciples have seen him, seen him die, and they just don't understand what's going on. And then there's these rumours that some of his friends have actually seen him risen from the dead. And people are like, this cannot be true. And two friends of Jesus are then on a road of disappointment back to Emmaus from Jerusalem. And on that road, they're kind of thinking, what on earth has been going on? We thought Jesus was the one who's going to rescue us, and he's died. And now there's these rumours that he's alive, but that can't be true. And then it says, as they're on this road, Jesus appears to them, risen. But they don't understand who he is. They can't see who he is. And then Jesus asks them why they're so disappointed. And they say, well, haven't you heard about Jesus? Like, uh? Like, Jesus is the one we thought everything was promised through, and now he's dead. And then Jesus says, didn't you understand Everything was was written before. And there's this intriguing verse in verse 27 where it says, then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, it must have been a long journey, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wow, like wouldn't you have liked to have been on that road? Because sometimes I think we think, oh, no, the bit that's about Jesus is this bit at the end that's like from Matthew onwards. And yet what Jesus said is, oh, no, that bit there that was before me was all pointing to me. And actually, it's through me, I can make sense of what you read there. See, sometimes I think as followers of Jesus, we can think, oh no, that bit, that's quite, one is, that's a lot of text, isn't it? That bit's like less text. So if you're wired like me, you're thinking, let's just focus on the less text. But also sometimes that bit can feel hard to read. And yet Jesus says, no, no, in you reading this bit, I will cause you now through the lens of who I am and what I've done to see how I am revealed through all of these stories how they foreshadow the wonder of what I do. Therefore, when we get to read Jonah, we discover what? Oh, he was a prophet. And through his story, it causes us to discover the wonder of Jesus. So it's a pretty cool story, one and a half pages. And what I'm going to ask now is some different friends to read this story to you. So we've got Joy, Chloe, Dave and Jacqueline, who are going to come in a tag team style through just following a WhatsApp that I could, I sent them earlier this morning. What could possibly go wrong? And they're going to read the story. Can I encourage us, as we listen to the story, can we be active listeners? Therefore, because we live in a day and age where like we're impulsed with lots and lots of wonders to think about other things, that we're always given information, it can be hard to sit still and just listen Therefore, we have to actively be present. And so I'm actually going to pray for us that in this moment, we would be present now in order that we can hear the story that's told and start to see some of these things that we're going to explore and understand. God, we thank you for the wonder of the Bible. We thank you for the wonder of how it reveals who you are and therefore who we are as we get caught up in your story. And we just ask now, whether we're at home, whether we're in the room, we just pray, would you cause us to be present in this moment now? We just allow our minds not to race off to things that we're thinking about, but rather just remember in this moment that, God, you have the world in your hands. You can keep things moving, and therefore we just rest in who you are. We choose to be present in this moment, in the seats we're sitting on. And we just open our ears now to hear, to hear what you want to say to us as we just hear this story. We ask this for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Okay, if I can invite Joy up, who's going to start us on this journey of this amazing story of Jonah. So yeah, we're going to read from here. So even that I didn't make clear, did I? So we'll read from here, and then it'll be Chloe after that.
1: So the story of Jonah. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. And that's my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he'll pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he'd already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? they groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, What what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him.
0: Now the Lord provided a huge fish fish, to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you.
3: Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Now when the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything, Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and he did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened.
4: But to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tashish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to leave. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city, there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it to grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it will be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I am so angry. I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend, tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there have been there are more than a thousand, uh, hundred and twenty thousand people, who cannot tell their right from their left, and also many animals.
2: We are in for a treat over the coming weeks as we look at the story of Jonah. Uh, I'm having to stop myself from just starting to immediately jump in and zoom into different parts. Can I encourage us over the coming week just to keep reading over this story? And maybe you make notes of things that strike you. Strike you because it isn't till the end you realize, all oh, right, okay, like who is Jonah van in this? Like, make notes of what strikes you about this story. Maybe you have questions, questions that you can discuss with others. Maybe you want to, like, fire in questions. I think over the coming six weeks, like, feel free to message us through admin at Oasischurch.com and you can, like, fire in questions like, like, what is this? My guess is one of the questions is going to be, like, is this real or is it just a parable? And the answer to that question is Yes. Um, And so we're going to go through this story and just see the magnificence of what God wants to do in and through it. And I promise you, it will do us good. I promise you, as we dive into the Bible, it's going to do our hearts good. But for this moment, I think it's just important, therefore, to turn back to this God who is way more loving and kind than we ever give him credit for and allow him to come and minister to our hearts again. And we're going to do that through songs. So I'm going to ask uh, Abby and the rest of the band to join uh, me at the front. And we're just going to stand, if you would, just where you are, and just allow just the wonder of who God is to speak into our hearts. And use these songs as like a prayer of saying, and God, would you use your word, your Bible, over the coming weeks to reveal more and more the wonder of who you are and who I am revealed through it.